Well, it finally happened, folks. The Boston Bruins have lost a regulation game on home ice for the first time this season, thanks to the Colorado Avalanche, a team that accounts for half of the Bruins' total regulation losses on the season. The Bruins' 13-game point streak has come to an end. Uh, They are now officially in second place in the NHL overall standings. And I thought I would take some time today not only to recap the loss on Saturday to the Avalanche, but also to just kind of uh, take stock of where this team is at the current moment, uh, how they've been playing lately, where they stack up against the competition, not only in terms of wins and losses, goals for and against, but also the kind of underlying numbers that might give a more clear picture of of how this team stands. But before we get into that, uh, I'd like to welcome you to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. My name is Ian McLaren. This is episode number 51. Uh, If you can believe it, we're in our 11th week of uh, podcasting here for the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every single day. If you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can find me at Ian C. McLaren. That's I-A-N-C-M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Kindly uh, subscribe to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. Uh, if you would also be so kind as to leave a rating or a review while you're doing so, that would be greatly appreciated. And also, please tell someone in your life who loves the Bruins as much as we do about the podcast so they can get their daily fix of all things Spoked B. Now, the good news for the Boston Bruins on Saturday was that they scored uh, first. Uh, They opened the scoring against the Avalanche. It was the first time they had scored in the first period since an 8-1 drubbing of the Canadians on the 26th of November. They had failed to score in the first or second period in every game since uh, November 27th, a game against the Ottawa Senators in which they scored late in the second period. They went the next uh, four games without scoring through the opening 40 minutes. They were able to win all but one of those, which was Thursday night's uh, overtime loss to Chicago in which they were down 3 nothing, uh, tied the game late, and then, uh, as I mentioned, lost in overtime. So the Bruins, uh, a big point of conversation for this team lately has been allowing the opposition to um, get up early, failing to score early, failing to play a full 60 minutes, and uh, requiring some exciting and entertaining comebacks, but really not an ideal way to uh, go throughout the season. Um, So yeah, the Bruins had been riding a 13-game point streak heading into the game against Colorado. Um, they had found themselves trailing in many of those contests. Like I mentioned, several thrilling comebacks to, to get some points out of that. But, uh, that run finally came to an end against Colorado as they ultimately lost four, one after the opening period goal scored by Chris Wagner, uh, Brad Marchand after the game, he said, you can't continue to get down by a couple goals, especially with really good teams, teams like that really know how to keep a lead, and regardless of how many times we've come back in the past, eventually it's going to catch up to us like it did tonight. Um, He said, it is good to lose every now and again, 
Good to be able to right the ship again. So maybe this is that game. I, I said that on Twitter after the game. Um, well, first of all, I didn't have a really good feeling heading into it based on how they had been playing. Uh, the kind of lack of urgency that Bruce Cassidy mentioned prior to, or sorry, after the game against Chicago. Colorado's a very good team. They're finally healthy. And um, they look like a team that could come out of the Western Conference as a, a potential Stanley Cup finalist. If the Bruins want to get there again, they need to, um, yeah, play those full 60-minute games. It's easy to maybe take for granted uh, the need for that full effort when you're in or sorry, December, when you're coming off a long playoff run. Um, you know that the games really don't start to matter until um, the playoffs. You're fairly sure you're going to make it there as uh, the beneficiaries of a really hot start to the season. But nothing is guaranteed in today's NHL. Um, no matter how well you play uh, or how well your roster is built, uh, things can and will happen. Uh, for the Bruins to be successful uh, this season, into the playoffs, I really believe they need to uh, just um, play their best every night, but it's not going to happen as uh, it's just not realistic to expect them to carry on an 80% uh, percent success rate throughout the season or an 800-point percentage, however you want to say it. Um, Bruce Cassidy mentioned that lack of urgency again after the game. He said we kind of talked about it, felt a little more excitement in the room tonight prior to puck drop. I thought we'd be better. We have one of the best records in the league, but I don't care. It's not a switch you can just turn on. There's too much parity in this league. You're playing one of what I think is one of the elite teams at West in the Colorado Avalanche. I thought we would come out a little cleaner than we did. Um, Marchand added, we're obviously aware we're in a good position. Uh, they have a very comfortable lead atop the Atlantic Division. Uh, the seasons get long, but that's no excuse. You're not going to be perfect every game, and we know that. We have to find ways to win, but we do have to realize the mistakes we're making and start to make improvements if we want to continue to get better. That's what good teams do. That's what we'll look at again tomorrow and try to back, bounce back Monday. Uh, Boston's next game, of course, is uh, tonight, Monday night in Ottawa. Uh, we're the beginning of a four-game uh, road trip uh, that sees them also um, visit Washington on Wednesday, Tampa Bay on Thursday, and Florida on um, Saturday. All these teams except Washington are below them in the standings. But again, Tampa Bay uh, is a powerhouse on paper. They have been off to a slow start. Florida is a team that I believe uh, should be thought of as a playoff team. But Broski starting to play a bit better. Ottawa, you can't take for granted either. They only beat them 2-1 uh, at their last visit in Ottawa just a couple weeks ago. Um, so like I'm saying, this is my overall point. The Bruins aren't going to win every night. There seems to be some expectation among the fan base now that uh, because of their hot start, if something goes wrong or they don't they don't come back or they don't bury a team early, that Bruce Cassidy is, should be questioned for his line deployment or the roster's flawed, whatever. This is a deep team. This is a very good team. They have the benefit of being able to roll out two starting level goalies on every given night. Um, I think we should expect them 
to be in the running for the top spot in the Atlantic, if not the Eastern Conference, regular season standings, if not pushing for the President's Trophy. Okay, let's get that out of the way. There are going to be nights where they don't win. There's going to be nights where the puck's not going in for them. They're not getting those uh, opportunities uh, on the power play. Pasternak's being shadowed quite heavily. Teams are getting physical with him. He's not uh, feeling it that night. It doesn't mean they have to go get an enforcer to protect him. Okay, I've seen that out there. That's not how today's NHL is trending. Uh, the Bruins have a great roster. They have three effective scoring lines when everyone's healthy. They have a, a, a nice forechecking fourth line. The sky's not falling because they lost to the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. Um, the fourth line even, they got the only goal in that game. And they were matched up against uh, Colorado's top line of Nathan McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, and Eunice Donskoy. Um Cassidy even said that's as tough of an assignment as you're going to get in this league. We're able to score a goal, go to the net, play in their end a little bit. I thought they did fine. Uh, the Bruins have an opportunity here to go out on the road, uh, to maybe get away from the comforts of home. Uh, that discomfort may disrupt their uh, comfortable routines. I know I'm saying comfort a lot here, but you know what I mean. Getting out on the road, uh, having some some team dinners, bonding, getting out of your comfort zone. I think that could be good for this team. They're going to have some tough competition coming up this week. And uh, I'd like to see them, yeah, playing full 60-minute efforts on the road. I think this will be a good test for them, a good measuring stick. If they go 2-2, two and 1-3, two, and 0-4, oh um, not ideal. We want them to go 2-2, two and 3-1, two, and 4-0. Oh. Um, that would be fantastic. But this team is built for um, playoff success. They did it last year. They're going to get there again to the playoffs, that is. What happens from that point, who knows? It's a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs, as we all know. But uh, it's not worth getting worked up over games in early December. If they were in Toronto's position or Tampa Bay's position outside of the playoff race, sure. Uh, but... Um, Let's just tap the brakes and enjoy the fact that this team has only four regulation losses to date, 24 and six, second overall in the NHL. And uh, now let's take a bit deeper look at exactly where they stand after 30 games. I mentioned the Bruins have played 30 games. They're 24 and six. They have 46 points, which is second only to the Washington Capitals who have 49 points. Uh, the Bruins do have 20 wins in regulation or overtime, which is tops in the NHL, ahead of only Colorado and Washington, who each have 19. In terms of point percentage, uh, the Bruins have played one fewer game than the Capitals, but the Capitals have uh, the three points on them, so even if the Bruins cashed in on that game in hand, they would still be behind. Therefore, the Capitals have a 790 point percentage Bruins second at 767. Only the New York Islanders are better than 70% at uh, 0.714. In terms of goal differential, the Bruins are number one at plus 32. Uh, Colorado second at plus 28. Washington third at plus 27. You get seeing a theme here. Boston, Washington, 
Colorado, uh, really separating themselves as top teams in the NHL. Uh, the Bruins are allowing only, uh, let's see here, 2.3 goals per game. That's second in the NHL. Only the Colorado, oh, sorry, the Arizona Coyotes are allowing fewer 2.26. In terms of goals four per game, Bruins are at 3.5. That is fourth in the NHL following the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Washington Capitals. So uh, you can see how that adds up to Boston's um, league-leading goal differential. The power play, the Bruins are third, 28.4% success rate. Edmonton and Tampa Bay above them. Penalty kill, uh, not as great. They're eighth, 84.4%. So all of that combined, you see why the Bruins are one of the top teams in the NHL. Is there cause for concern based on underlying numbers? Perhaps. If we look at naturalstatric.com, which I highly recommend, uh, it's a very valuable resource. Uh, it's always recommended that you look at five-on-five numbers to get a good sense of where a team is in reality, uh, be, uh, you know, counter to kind of the uh, surface-level stats that we just looked at. The Bruins, in terms of Corsi 4 percentage, again, I've explained this before, but uh, if you missed any of those shows, Corsi 4 percentage tracks the amount of shot attempts for uh, versus against in uh, any given game. So say, uh, as was the case, I believe, last week against Carolina, the Hurricanes had 51 shot attempts. The Bruins had 49 shot attempts. Therefore, um, the Carolina Hurricanes had a 51% Corsi 4 percentage. If we're looking at a five on five play, the Bruins currently are 14th in the NHL at 50.31. So, again, what that means is the Bruins are very nominally um, recording more attempts than the opposition in five on five play. 50.31 versus uh, 49.69. Again, how that's calculated is the Bruins have recorded 1,298 shot attempts in 5-on-5 play of the season. They've allowed 1,282. So that's a very minuscule difference of 17 shot attempts, resulting in the 50.31, although they're slightly ahead. So... You want to be above 50%. The Bruins are, but they're basically a middle-of-the-pack team in terms of Corsi percentage. Another stat that has been helpful uh, that I've just been learning about recently is expected goals for. So where Corsi records shot quantity, or shot attempt quantity rather, uh, expected goals for looks at uh, shot quality. So the number of quality shots attempts generated uh, in a given uh, season or over the course of the season. So in terms of expected goals for the Bruins are currently 19th at 49.09. Okay. So, um, this isn't a new stat per se. I'm reading, a an article from hockey graphs dated back to 2015. Uh, but what expected goals takes into account is, uh, unblocked shots, 
looking at shot distance, shot angle, shot type, whether it came off the rush, a rebound, on or off wing. Uh, it takes all of that data into consideration and calculates expected goals for. So the Bruins right now, 49.15, uh, so slightly, uh, sorry, 49.09, so slightly uh, under that 50% Mark, where you'd want to see a team above 19th, uh, below the Devils, Flames, Maple Leafs, Panthers, Flyers, uh, for example, um, seeing where you know what teams are in their range. So, based on their low Corsi number, the below 50% expected goals, you can start to see why the Bruins may be in line for a bit of regression here. Uh, they're getting uh, timely goals and timely saves, uh, but generally they're marginally outplaying the opposition in terms of possession. That's what Corsi is an indicator of. If you're recording more shot attempts against, that means you have the puck more than the opposition. And then in terms of expected goals, um, yeah, those high quality chances that you'd like to see produced um, aren't there as much for the Bruins. I hope that makes some sense. Uh, again, I'm not an expert on this. There's a lot of folks on Twitter that you can follow who are fantasy stat experts. Um, I think I have a fairly good handle on Corsi, uh, expected goals, not as much, but, uh, that's basically, uh, the gist. Now we talk about PDO a bit on this podcast as well. The Bruins right now are second in the NHL in PDO behind the Colorado avalanche. What that means is, uh, they have high shooting percentages and high save percentages, leading to a PDO of 103.3. The idea is that on average, teams will uh, regress to 10% shooting percentage, 90% save percentage. Uh, so the Bruins are at 9.9 shooting percentage at 5 on 5 play, save percentage 93.42. And I think this is where. Uh, the Bruins are set apart from the rest, and they will have the benefit of having Yaroslav Halak and Tuka Rask. Uh, being able to deploy those two starting level goalies gives the Bruins an advantage because they're able to um, have two starting level goalies and pick up points where other teams can't count on those with lesser backups. So one of the big reasons why the Bruins are in the position that they're in as one of the top teams in the NHL so far this regular season, is the uh, rotation of Halak and Rask. Their power play is also excelling. Like I said, they're third in the NHL in power play, and they're able to put out uh, two very talented power play units that will uh, or should continue to succeed at a high rate. So... Um, if the five-on-five five production isn't there, they're not really outplaying the opposition five-on-five. Five. We've seen that lately with the um, lack of scoring it through the first two periods of games on a regular basis. They kind of come alive when teams are um, sitting back protecting leads. But what will help this team long-term is the success on the power play. So if they can continue to, to draw penalties and take advantage of those opportunities and the rotating goalie system for the Bruins. So all that to say, the Bruins are in a, a pretty good spot right now. 
They have a deep, talented roster, uh, both offensively and defensively, and especially in net. Uh, it looks like Patrice Bergeron will be ready to come back from Monday's game against the Senators. Uh, defenseman Steve Camphor was placed on waivers for the purpose of assignment to Providence on Sunday. That was made in order to uh, open up a roster spot for uh, Patrice Bergeron, who has been on uh, IR with a uh, lower body injury. Uh, Camphor was uh, sacrificed as John Moore has made his return to the lineup and they didn't need to carry, uh, you know, eight, nine defensemen on the roster. Um, Bergeron and Kuhlman and Seneshin are the only players on IR right now. Kuhlman, Seneshin not quite ready to come back, which means Bergeron will be back uh, on the top line. And that will have obviously a trickle effect down the lineup. Krejci will go back to the second line with DeBrusque and whoever, Heinen perhaps, maybe Richie. Coyle will go back to the third line with Heinen and Bjork and then the fourth line in there. So uh, if we can get those uh, forwards together healthy for an extended period of time, uh, the defensemen healthy now for an extended period of time, we can really start to see what this team is made of. You'll recall they've been without Bergeron in and of, of the lineup this season. Krejci's been hurt at times. Richie's been hurt. Krug's been hurt. Uh, they've had to rely on several uh, call-ups. And so, you know, this is kind of the first time beginning this week here on the road that we'll see uh, perhaps a lineup that they'll deploy at least till the trade deadline, uh, barring any further moves. Injuries are always a possibility. Um, but in general, we have a lot to be thankful for with this team. They're a, pl- a pleasure to watch most nights, not as much lately. Uh, but I really do think this week is an opportunity for them to come together as a group on the road, do some team bonding, get out of the comforts of home, and uh, really continue to disrupt the Atlantic Division standings and make their case as uh, the bonafide top team in the Atlantic division at the very least, and also challenging the capitals for tops in the Eastern conference. In terms of the divisional standings, the Bruins are 13 points clear of the Florida Panthers for top spot in the Atlantic. Uh, Florida does have two games in hand, but still it's a a 13 point lead. Buffalo's in third at 32 points tied with Montreal and Toronto, Tampa Bay, one point back at 31 points. Uh, We'll do a full look at the Atlantic Division power rankings um, coming up tomorrow. I'll bump it in lieu of today's kind of uh, State of the Bruins address, Uh, but that's kind of the lay of the land right now. If we do look at point percentage in the Atlantic, Bruins 767, and then Florida is second, Tampa Bay, Montreal, Buffalo, Toronto, Ottawa, and Detroit. So uh, again, the Bruins play the Senators, Lightning, and Panthers this week with another game against the Capitals uh, and a good opportunity for them to reestablish themselves as uh, a dominant force over the full course of a 60-minute road game. Too much in the way of NHL news and notes for today. I'm recording this on Sunday, full disclosure, so uh, this should be available for you to listen on your Monday morning commute. I will mention that 
Nicholas Backstrom is expected to return to the Washington Capitals lineup uh, for a game against the Blue Jackets on Monday, meaning uh, in all likelihood he'll be back for uh, the game against the Bruins as well. So that's something to keep uh, in mind as the Bruins get ready for that game. Uh, A full, uh, healthy roster for the Capitals, uh, which should be a good game coming up. But first, it's the Ottawa Senators on Monday. Uh, I'll be on the Twitter machine at Ian C. McLaren and at LO underscore Boston Bruins uh, tracking that game. Uh, if you want to join along for the ride. Speaking of Twitter, I guess I'll end on a bit of a personal note. Uh, for those of you who have been following me for a while, you may recall that uh, I tend to tweet a bit about uh, anxieties or mental health, things like that. And I think it's really important to be open and honest about those kind of things. Um, I'm thankful for people who reach out via uh, direct message just to uh, check in or see how how things are going, uh, to offer words of encouragement. Um, My inbox is always open if anyone is struggling with uh, mental health issues, if you need an ear to talk. Um, I suffer from anxiety myself, and it's always good to have an ear to know that you're not alone and that people are there for you. So if anyone uh, is ever struggling or uh, needs a hand, uh, we are a hockey podcast here, part of the Locked On podcast community, but we're also part of the overall hockey community. Um, There's lots out there in terms of uh, how hockey uh, is toxic these days, hockey culture, but uh, there's also a lot of good going on in hockey as well. A lot of great people and um, if I can help in any way, uh, I I would be uh, honored to to be able to do that. So, uh, yeah, if uh, if you see me tweeting about mental health stuff or or whatever, uh, feel free to reach out. Or um, yeah, I always appreciate uh, that encouragement as well. And it's a uh, it's been great to have uh, support through the hockey community and through fellow Bruins fans just to. Uh, enjoy this team together know that we're not alone in this life together and that uh everything's going to be okay uh or can be okay uh, with the right support uh so thank you for listening to today's locked on boston bruins podcast i am your host ian mclaren we are part of the locked on podcast network uh please download listen subscribe rate and review uh, tell someone about the podcast and uh yeah go bruins talk to you again tomorrow friends